with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah 49 is where we're going to go. Isaiah 49, the ancient world. Obviously, the world that we're looking into this morning in Isaiah, the arrow. Uh, it was used in wars, hunting, protection. In fact, armies had a great advantage if they had good archers, guys that could use the bow and arrow very well, amen. Uh, they were one of the advanced weapons, if you will, of the day. And so I believe the Bible gives the description of our lives as a mighty arrow in the hand of God. In our text, Isaiah, in the context, he's being used to bring Israel back to God. And I want to focus on us as being arrows for God's purpose, us being used to bring people to God. Amen. So I want to consider with you Isaiah 49, verse number 1. He says, Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he has hidden me. And he said to me, You are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now the Lord says, Whom... Um, who formed me from the womb to be who formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him for I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength amen I'm just going to stop right there amen I want to consider with you arrows of deliverance and I want to apply this to our lives this morning because just like God using Isaiah God wants to use you and I this morning for that very purpose. And hopefully this will help you, amen, this morning. Because we're created, first of all, to hit a mark, amen. Many times people can have a faulty focus. Years ago, I don't know, you might hear of his name. It was a cartoon, very old cartoon called Mr. Magoo. <laughs> Mr. Magoo is just a short-statured, wealthy retiree who... Uh, always getting himself into trouble because he was so nearsighted he couldn't be far, and so they'd always show him driving and missing things and craziness, you know. And uh, because, yeah, he had his focus wasn't quite right, amen. And so many can get into trouble even in the Christian world by this thought of being nearsighted, not physical, amen, but it being our life focus. And I always get a a little disturbed when Christianity focuses so much at ourselves when it's really just the opposite that needs to happen. Amen. But, uh, you know, some people, they don't even know why they're here. They don't even know where they're going. Amen. Just forging out an existence, only have a vision that doesn't go out beyond tomorrow. And yet, God is a visionary. God sees to the end of the earth. He has plans for our lives. Amen. We can get so caught up in failure, our fears, or problems, careers, kids, schedules, and so on, and lose sight of the bigger picture. 
we can forget who we are and that we're here for a reason and that we're here for a purpose. And God has chosen us for his purposes in the earth. Our life's purpose, I think I preached not too long ago, is to glorify God, amen, to fulfill his purposes in the earth. We say many times God's will, to, per to perform God's will. God intends that our lives become useful to him. And you'll notice the picture God paints of his people, arrows, amen, not just for show, not just the beautifully polished shaft. Don't misunderstand that, amen. Arrows are designed for a purpose. And not only does he design them, but he puts them in his quiver, not the quiver of our own making. God didn't save me so I could take away, you know, the good life and say, okay, it's now I'm, 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 a sh I'm an arrow now, but I'm in my own quiver now. I have my own purposes. I have my own plans. God says, no, I, I shaped you, molded you. I put you in my quiver to use you as I would use you. Amen. Uh, the Bible says in our text, he made me a polished shaft. Amen. Arrows are for a purpose, and that's to hit the mark. One man said, God loves you, so he saves you. He saved you to change you. He changed you to use you. Amen. Saved unto a purpose. Saved because God has a plan for your life. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in other words, God doesn't save us, and at the last minute go, oh, i got to find something for you to do. Oh, no. <laughs> God already knew what he wanted you to do long before he went to work in your life, long before you were created in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul, one of the things that Paul made note of when he's coming to the end of his life, he notices his accomplishment and his accomplishment is interesting. It, it just comes down to really a phrase that I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. He doesn't go into a litany of things. What he really is saying is when he says, I ran the race, he said, God put me in a lane. And he said, I just simply stayed in that lane the whole way. All the things that he did, in faith, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm not in his lane. He's in his lane. And that's what he meant. He said, you know what? God has put me in a lane that day that I asked him, what do you want me to do? And he stayed in that lane the whole time. So when he looks back at his accomplishments, he doesn't list them out. I planted churches. I got disciples. He said, no, God called me to this race. He put me in it, and I stayed in that lane. And I ran it, and I ran it to the end. Amen. I ran for him. I ran for his purpose. I ran for the plan that he had for my life. I wasn't just out there running. I just wasn't out there racing. He said, I was staying in my lane and what God had called me to do. God has plans for our lives. Not about what you want. It's about what God wants. Amen. He desires to put his hand upon you and to shoot you in the direction and aim at the mark that he has for your life. Amen. There's a misconception that we can choose our destiny, but it's not about you. I didn't choose this destiny. I didn't choose this future. I look back, and I can see that God made some choices for me. Amen. Oh, I could have bucked it. Don't get me wrong. 
but he made some choices for me. And stepping into those and choosing to say, you know what, I'm going to go for the ride, amen, that God has for me was so critical for my life. It wasn't my destiny I was choosing. It was his, I already had my destiny figured out, by the way. I wasn't, I wasn't a, a, a drunken bum in the streets. I was a drunken bum, but not in the streets. I had a job. I had a future. I had a plan. I had my tomorrows figured out. And so I had a destiny, and God says, you know what? I got a different choice for you. Arrows of God's deliverance. It's like Joash, the king of Israel, comes to Elisha, the prophet, for fear of Syria, but, you know, Elisha is dying. He's on his deathbed, and Elisha, he comes in and he speaks to him, and Elisha tells him, take a bow and some arrows. He did that, amen. He tells him to put his hand on the bow. Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. Opened the east window, he opened it, and Elisha tells him to shoot, he shoots. He made the statement, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. God wants to put his hand upon us. Use us as a means of deliverance. Be an evangelist. Make disciples to to make disciples, whatever that might be, amen. Set the captive free, sin, destruction, judgment, whatever, that you and I would, would be an arrow in the hands of God. And see, that's exactly that picture there, that he's got his hand upon this king. He says, God wants to use you to deliver this nation from the Syrians. And so he's, he's got a, a plan, he's got a purpose for this man's life. When God was about to deliver people, he would find a man. He could send an angel, he could have came himself. But he was looking for a man as a means to deliver the people. So he used arrows like Moses when the, to lead the children of Israel out. He used an arrow like Joseph to uh, move his family away from the famine and to preserve them in the rest of the world. Jonah, to deliver Nineveh, Gideon, amen, to deliver the people from the Midianites. For us, God has put us into families. He's put us into neighborhoods. He's put us into jobs, and he put us in this country, amen. And, you know, he's gifted you with gifts to help and, and to be a blessing to others and Disciple others for Jesus Christ, amen. See, God's looking for arrows of the Lord's deliverance. God has a plan for your life. God wants to use your life this morning. It's a little bit like the video series we saw this morning. And that is the idea of being a disciple. There's no such thing as you can't be disciple. It's you won't be a disciple. God says, I chose you. You did not choose me. So let's consider this whole idea of being this arrow. Let's look at the preparation of the arrow. Because in order for God to use us, um, we have to be straight and true. Good picture of the arrow, people of character, because character matters. It does matter. He's looking for men and women of integrity, uprightness, holiness, amen. Our world wants us to believe that what we do in private doesn't matter. How we live our lives really doesn't matter. As long as we perform correctly, as long as we do what we need to do. But God's not about that, amen. God's about 
character, because character matters to God, and it matters in the world, too. This is why things fall apart, because men and women don't have any character. Hallelujah. But if you're going to go the distance with God, you're going to have to be straight. You're going to have to be true. If you're going to hit the mark as God's deliverer, it matters whether you're straight and true or whether you're crooked. Amen. You know, when God calls a bishop or a pastor, he lays out the qualifications, blameless, steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. Then he goes on the other side of the coin, but hospitable, lovers of what is good, sober-minded, and on it goes. And so what is he looking for? Is he looking for an educational quality? I'm not saying we don't learn and read and understand things. But the first place he goes is your character, who you are, the man that you are, amen. 2 Timothy 2.21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Robert Murray McShane, he's an old uh, preacher from Scotland. He says a holy minister or a holy servant is an awe-inspiring weapon in the hand of God. Because if it's not straight and true when it's shot by God or anyone for that matter, it's not going to hit the mark. And even more than that, it will be ruined. That's what takes people down. It's their character. Sometimes people go on their performance. It's like, well, look at my performance. But you see, that's not when you're going to fall. When you're going to fall is because of your character. Character is long-term. Performance comes and goes. And that's the danger today. People are saying, look at my performance, but what about your character? Because God is interested in what you are, who you are. Because you're an arrow in his hands. So let's look at preparing or honing this arrow shaft. Never, you're never going to find a perfectly straight stick in the force. Kind of like you and I. None of us are perfect. Little bent here and there. Some are a little bent more than others. Amen. That's okay. That's okay. Because God can use any of us if we'll allow Him to shape and mold us. Testimony of Scripture. I mean, God uses sinful, broken things. Amen. He used mud to restore sight to eyes. Sticks is arrows of deliverance. It goes on and on and on. David with his stones to kill a giant. So my point is simply this, and this is kind of where I'm going a little bit. There's a process of honing the arrow. And so I took what I found from a survivalist, and he teaches us how to make an arrow so one can survive in the wilderness. And he gives us three steps. He says, first of all, a season, an arrow must be seasoned for time. So when you gather the stick, it's going to be green. It's going to still have a little bit of life in it. So he says, you've got to store this in a dry, cool place for many days. And um, usually takes, he says, for the actual piece of wood that he's going to make into an arrow, he says it takes about two to four weeks to dry indoors. Amen. So you, you can't hurry this seasoning time. Amen. Because what, what he's saying is, if you, if you hurry the seasoning time with this stick you find in the woods, and you start working with it, it's going to crack. He says, you've got to let this thing dry out. It's a time for it to season. 
to where you can use it, where it's going to be strong enough to use. And so it's, it's, it's like you and I, amen. Pastors, church leaders, 1 Timothy 3.6, New Living Translation, a church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil uh, would cause him to fall. So it takes time to mold. It takes time to shape lives. You got to give time, amen. The wood that's you know, green or unseasoned, like I said, can be easily ruined or easily cracked. So this takes time, amen. Some things can only be ironed out over time. Some things you know, can only be ironed out over times of testing, amen. And you have to be patient. Hallelujah. Because sometimes it seems like we can be going through some things. It's like, but see, God is doing something. He's at work. And this thing, if God doesn't do that in your life, if God is not at work in these times, amen, he knows that down the road, if he rushes this thing, it's going to be like the stick in the wilderness. It's going to, it's going to break. It's going to snap. It's going to show cracks and be faulty down the road. And so he says it takes time. It takes time to cultivate a relationship with God, to find out who he is. It's not just overnight. I know we get saved, we meet God, but let's face it, you know, we're, we, come in, we come in the kingdom with all kinds of ideas. We come in with ideas about who God is, what he's going to be like, all kinds of things. We're hit with input all our lives. Only to come in and find out, you know, I don't even know this Jesus that I used to claim to know. Oh, do you know? Oh, yeah, I know about Jesus. Yeah, you know, manger, died on the cross. I didn't know the guy. I didn't know my God at all. And so it takes time to uh, cultivate a relationship with God and ultimately a whole lifetime. It takes time to, for your faith to grow takes time for your faith to develop, to get stable, to believe God. And so there's that time factor that it seems like sometimes your life can be going through things, but if you'll be patient, God is at work in your life. The survivalist says after that shaft is seasoned, he says, then you have to remove the outer bark. He says, and so uh, uh, he says the outer bark is, is, is more woody and it might take some pressure. He goes on to say, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, he takes something like a back of a knife. He removes the outer bark. Uh, uh, it's more woodier and so on. And so, you know, God immediately goes to work in our lives as well. He starts to remove some fleshly things, starts to take some things away, things that, that are very destructive in our lives. Amen. He's calling us to, if you will, consecrate our lives to him. He starts going to work on areas of carnality, areas of selfishness. He starts working on, you know, things like envy and jealousy and hatred, attitudes of pride, lust, laziness, habits that are destructive in our lives. He, he goes to work, you know. I, I, I always liken it in my own life when I got saved within a few short days, amen, it was like things fell off my life. It's like he shook the tree and the dead fruit fell off. Oh, he had a lot more at work, <laughs> I can tell you that. He had a lot of things in this guy he had to deal with. But the problem, the thing is, he just immediately started removing things. I'm delivered from alcohol. I was just in Marion, Illinois. I'm having a revival, and 
that church and had a great time, but that's the pastor who got me saved. And we were just talking. We always talk like this, I guess. It's like, yeah, when we got saved, it's like we just went on for God. I don't know if we did everything like we remembered. I'm not too sure. But I do remember being delivered from alcohol. I remember being delivered from Copenhagen. And these were major things, but I'll tell you what, there is a lot more going on in this guy. I look back, and it's like, that was like nothing compared to all the other stuff he had to deal with. But this is what God does. He starts going to work, amen, on our lives. And, and a lot of times he does this by correction. He does this by discipline. He does this by rebuke, whether it's God himself, parents to children, pastors to a congregation. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6, verse 11. You, are you, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastened, scourges every son whom he receives. That's you and I. Verse 11, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. There's a third thing this guy talks about when he's talking about this shaft. He, again, he lets it season, and then he starts removing the bark. And then the last thing he does is he goes to work at straightening the shaft. And what you need is you need a heat source, not an open flame, a stove, or just a bed of coals. If you have an open flame, it'll just char the wood. It'll ruin the wood. And so he says the whole goal is to make this arrow as straight as possible. So he takes his shaft, and he goes from one end to the other, and he's seeing the different curves and the bends and the twist and... uh, he comes to the first place where it starts to bend, and he has to put it in the fire. And that thing has to get so hot to where you can almost not even touch it. Because how you, now remember, this is a survivalist. This is not a wood shop. This is a survivalist. And so he reaches down. He says, you got to take your thumbs. And he says, if it's bent to this side, he says, you got to bend it back straight and a little bit to this side. And you got to hold it there and let it cool down. And sometimes you got to do that again and again and again. You ever feel like God is still trying to get the kinks out? <laughs> like, I got this kink in my life. So I know you do. That's what I'm working on. Getting rid of the kink. It's got to be the right temperature. It's got to be time and time again work at that and when you get done with this one then you got to move down the shaft a little bit and it might go another direction and you got to do the process over and over again rotate it look at it amen heat it bend it straighten it repeat it until you can find a straight arrow see god purifies us the same way he purifies us with fire amen testing us proving our faith, if you will, in the furnace of trials and afflictions, the pressures of life. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, 
though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith being tested by fire, heating, bending, twisting, amen, twisting you and I into greatness, twisting to you and I to be used by God mightily, amen, producing genuine faith that stands strong in the face of opposition when the enemy comes in like a flood. David, able to stand strong against Goliath, but you see, it always referenced back to the wilderness. He said, you know what? God stood with me with the bear. I killed a bear and I killed a lion. And so with that reference point, amen, he says, this, this giant is not going to be any problem either. God's moving. He's shaping this man. He started shaping him long before he ever stepped on the scene with Goliath. You have to learn. Trust God when the heat's on. God keeps on repeating this process until there's a strength and a, and a straightness, amen. Sometimes he even has to go back and visit some, revisit some things. You know, this could be a lot of different areas, like when money's tight. I remember there's a phase in my life, it seems like forever, but that's okay, when money was tight. So, so tempting just to live like everybody else. I never would. I just wouldn't go out and load up credit cards. I've never been in debt other than to a house. Never been in debt my entire adult life. I haven't been driving new cars either, but I have never been in debt. It was always those times when money was tight, and it's just like, oh, stuff it. I remember I was working on this job, and this guy said, you know what, one day, he says, I'm going to take all those credit card offers. And I'm going to, I'm going to cash out on every one of them. I'm going to get a, a cash loan for everyone, and I'm moving to Europe. <laughs> and I said, "You ain't." <laughs> he's he's got one of those mines. He used to work on Wall. I don't know what he's doing in the Air Force, but he used to work on Wall Street. <laughs> so he's talking about, and I'm just going to cash all those babies in. I'm going to take the money. I'm out of here, Switzerland. Here we come. Nah, just be like the rest of us. Work for a living. Money, time, marriage in trouble, amen. How, how do you respond? Do you trust God? Do you stand on his promises or on his word, amen? Or does your faith fall to pieces, amen? Cues go, oh God, you don't care. Where are you? Well, that tells me, you know what? Your faith needs to be developed. Something needs to be developed in your life. God's still taking the crooks out. Because you'll come to a place, it's like those words won't come out of your mouth. They'll come out to a place and say, you know what, God, I know you're, I might not see where you're at, but I know you're involved. And it's like, where does that come from? That's God shaping and molding our lives, putting something in us, shaping our character to, to rely upon him and not upon our flesh, to, to trust him and not the world, to believe his world and not believe everybody else's word. Say, God, you know what, I'm going to trust you. You know, the disciples, we know the story when they were facing the storm and Jesus is sleeping the stern on the pillow. They said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And Jesus rose, he rebuked the wind, Mark 4, 38 through 40. He said, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? <laughs> 
And so, you know, and we know that these guys didn't stay that way. We know these guys went into the New Testament. We know that they went into the book of Acts. They were men filled with faith, did great things for God. But that's, that didn't come overnight. That was over the shaping and the molding, the bending. God's working on these men's characters, working on the inside, amen, straightening the shaft. So when we turn into the book of Acts, God can go, okay, off you go. See, the aim of the storm was to test their faith. They didn't do too well. So back in the fire, amen. So let's consider not only that. That's the process God has. He's shaping and molding your life. You're in a good place. You're in a good... I got all these trials and these things I'm facing. It's like, praise God. You must be living for Jesus. <laughs> You came in here with your, your, your skates on and a cross held up by healing balloons. Man, this living for Jesus is easy. I'd say, oh, no. <laughs> you ain't got the Jesus I got. Man, God's got to do work in here, man. We're, hey, we're stubborn creatures. Come on, man. There's got to be a discipline. There's got to be something that works some things out of us and works some things in us. Amen. All right, let's move on. Let's look at our confidence in hitting the mark. It really is found in the hands of the craftsman shaping the shaft. Amen. It takes skillful hands. The survivalist said if it's not hot enough, it's more likely to break. If it's too hot, it'll be charred by the, the, you'll char the wood, make it weaker. You just got to find that perfect place, that perfect medium, not too hot, not too cold. When the wood's too hot, amen, and all these different things, he goes through all this kind of stuff. He says sometimes, you know, you got to add a little olive oil to help the heat penetrate in the wood. Thank God he's not an amateur. Thank God, amen, that he, he's, he's, he knows how to shape lives, amen. He knows how to hold us in the fire just long enough. He knows what he's doing with your life. Don't be discouraged. He knows what he's doing. He's at work. He's not going to wreck you. He's not going to char you. He's not going to burn you. But he will straighten you. He will put something in you. He will shape you. He will mold you. If he can't shape you and mold you, he can't use you. So if your life is going through the pressure, let me tell you something. You're in the right place. It's like the disciples. I don't you care. We're going to die. Jesus is like, you have no faith. Like, I'm going to go down with the boat, guys. Come on. Let's get ahead of, you know. <laughs> but the point is, is that God knows what he's doing. He's at work in your life. He's not an amateur. Our lives are really in the hands of the master craftsman. He knows just how much pressure to apply. Our text, he has made my mouth. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. He's made me a polish in his quiver. Oh, he's in total control. Amen. Master craftsman who knows our frame, amen, knows just the right amount of pressure and heat that you can take. Sometimes you can face things and I can't face this. Well, if you couldn't face it, it wouldn't be happening. Just that simple. 
It's just that simple. Amen. No temptation. He will now you, not allow you to be tempted above what you are able to handle. And he'll make a way of escape. So we can be facing things and just, you know, I just, I just need to give up. No, no. The master craftsman knows that's not true. Because he's not going to put more pressure than you can possibly bear or handle. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly knows what he's doing. He knows just the amount of pressure that he needs, just the amount of heat that he needs to bring something into your life. He adds the olive oil, this Holy Spirit, amen, to come alongside and to complete this task, amen. So we're taking a branch, we've seasoned, debarked it, straightened it with fire. The last stage is he attaches feathers to this thing. Gives the arrow the ability to fly great distances. Gives the ability of the, the arrow to make a great impact. Amen. And as we learn to yield ourselves to the master's hand, we learn to yield to God's spirit and using our lives. Amen. The Holy Spirit carries us, causes us to live our lives. Amen. To have great impact. This is not a work of man. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. And we start to rely upon God himself. Amen. Because this is what God has in mind for my life. This is what God wants to do. Amen. See, the question remains, will you be an arrow that God can direct where he wants and when he wants? Will you be the arrow in the hand of God? It's your choice. You see, there's nobody in this room that can't be a disciple. If you're not a disciple, it's because you won't be a disciple. Then you've got to question your motive. If I'm not going to be a disciple of Christ, then what am I giving my life to? What are you giving your life to? Because a disciple gives their lives to Jesus. They say, God, use my life for your purpose, for your glory. I want to close with a testimony. You've probably seen some YouTube videos of this guy. His name is Nick Wojcik. He's the Australian who was born without legs and arms. It's a pretty incredible sight when you see him out there ministering. Goes on to say, but despite that, uh, he's ch he has chosen to become the hands and arms of Jesus. He said, why does God allow you to go through suffering? Because he is preparing your heart for something more. God's used the heat of suffering and time to shape Nick into an arrow of deliverance. He preaches in schools prisons, auditoriums all over the world, bringing hope to those who feel that they have none. And I read that, and if you've ever seen it, I don't know all the ins and outs about this man. I don't know everything that's off camera. I understand that. But you know what? Somewhere along the line, he made a choice. I'm going to be used by God. I'm not going to allow all this to change that. I'm not going to sit here and question God for the rest of my life. Why, 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 why? I don't know why. I'll find out when I'm there. But while I'm here, I'm going to let him use me to reach those. And this guy packs auditoriums all over the world, 
giving his testimony, preaching the gospel, that you can find hope in Jesus Christ. You see, he said, I'm going to be an arrow in the hands of God. It's a choice. Amen. It's simply a choice. Praise God. Arrows of deliverance. Are you one of those? Let's bow our heads this morning. Their heads are bowed this morning. Hallelujah.